Thank you. Hi, thank you once again, um, everyone, viewers, listeners, followers, subscribers, fans. Um, welcome to Talk About Life. And today we have back with us Sar from Australia, Melbourne, um, data scientist. And I need him to continue the, our third session of education on the digital transformation in the fourth industrialization. And today he's going to talk a little bit about some of his projects on robotics um, and robotic science. And I'm all ears uh, for him because in the, this is a very new uh, subject for me. Um, I've always failed my science. So, you know, I'm trying to do my catch up now. Um, so I'm going to give the floor to Saar. Um, Saar, let's take it away. Welcome. Thank you, Vicky. Always a pleasure to be on your show and talk about life and talk about technology on this uh, particular segment. Um, it's a very interesting topic that you have chosen for today uh, about robotics and it's something which is very close to my heart, uh, very like the entire technology spaces, but this is where it all began. Uh, this is the passion which, you know, led me into the uh, technological stream. So um, just a bit of backstory about it. I have done my engineering in electronics and telecommunication and in electronics was my favorite uh, subdomain. I've been interested in, uh, you know, physics and making things. I was always fascinated by gadgets and how people make these automated gadgets. So I, um, uh, in my first year, we, we had these competitions of robotic competitions. You can build robots to do different kinds of tasks. There were robots which to race, there are robots which can destroy each other. So wow. those are called robo wars and they were like really fun you put blades and uh, you know machines drills on the top of the bot and try to break the other person's bot like hammers and stuff so that was a as a as a kid uh, or like a, just a, a teenager you you find these things really fascinating fascinating so uh, long long story short we uh, we decided uh, that i want to build a bot and uh, that was my first project in in the engineering school and we built a, a manual bot uh, and we participated. It was a track uh, where we have to overcome multiple obstacles like uh, climb it uh, at a 60 degree angle, then there were hurdles across the bridge, carry a block and then drop the block at a particular spot. So there were multiple tasks involved and you have to coordinate between two bots and they have to work together to solve this problem. Uh, and uh, I remember we, uh, I mean, uh, I stayed up all night to fix that bot and just make sure that the machine works, the motor works. We didn't know how to design a machine, right? I, when we talk about design, we need to we need to see what the task has to perform and can the motors that you put in, the, the wiring you do, you know, the torque or like the load you want to lift uh, off the ground, the torque and the force is, is strong enough to lift that up and doesn't break the structure. So you have to do a lot of calculations, but we, we were just trying things and we were just, you know, uh, trial and error to figure out what works. So, and at till, till one, uh, so like next day we had the competition at, in the morning at nine o'clock and till night we didn't have a working mod model. And it was very stressful. I was working with yeah. two other teammates and we, those guys like, we give up, I'm, we are going to sleep. And I was like, just all night I was trying to, see if we can make it work and in the morning uh, surprisingly it, it worked so 
that was one of the best memories uh, in my morning and then we went for the competition we won the first round i was so exciting uh, it was one of the most exciting moments of my life so uh, that's how it started uh, then we uh, there's a competition called robocon uh, and these are uh, international competition uh, university from all over the world the top university mit carnegie mellon uh, uh, chinese a lot of good chinese universities singaporean university even i think uh, singaporean university is one of the top contender in robocon uh, for for a long nanyang time nanyang university nanyang technological yes. university that's right yeah that's where i come and, from <laughs> oh wow that's brilliant and uh, carnegie mellon also uh, with the top players so we were so uh, one one university from india one university from the their own country try to uh, you know compete against everyone else and every year there is a different country which hosts this event and i participated in 2012 which was hosted in china and the the competition was called pongoi uh pingoin taigat i don't know whether i'm pronouncing it correctly but it's like a a lot of buns uh, like I, i know the chinese people love these buns uh, mm. and they there's a tower which is built of wood buns and we have to climb that tower and or build that tower with buns and something like that so you have to build to do the same thing using bots and you have to make a automatic bot and a manual driving bot so i would love to share a video maybe if i uh, can or maybe i can send it to you later you can yeah. add it in the podcast yeah add it in yeah okay before yes. we go on it sounds a little bit like um, i can't really imagine but okay. that, can we start on um what is the definition of a robot what what is a robot okay what is a robot and what is not a robot and at which stage do you say that this particular mechanism can be called a robot there must be particular line of definition right um that's a that's a good question i am not across the technical definition of a robot but i would classify a robot as a uh, as a machine which can augment human capabilities and capacities uh, by that i mean they they can enhance our functioning improve our uh, efficiency and productivity in certain parts it could be autonomous or manual uh, and these two categories are slightly different autonomous are a machine which can work on their own they they you just program it to work in a certain way and they they can do things by themselves a manual is something you drive so uh, an example of a manual robot would be uh, uh let's say uh, the helicopter you fly a toy helicopter or a toy car or something You know, can, we use, can we use something closer to our imagination, like what Elon Musk is doing, like you know the the Tesla car? Okay, um, at which yeah. point is a car a car, and at which point a car is a robot? <laughs> I think that kind that's of makes a, it easier. That, that's a really good question, uh, because there is there is so much automation in a car nowadays yeah. that uh, it is. like i i would say it's 80% uh, automated in a lot of sensors and stuff so um the clear distinction is hard to uh, define but as long as uh, i'm sure there would be a better definition uh, than what what okay, is coming can, to my can, head okay can can in a layman's imagination right i'm really looking at like okay 
this is not the transformer. A car doesn't kind of like roll over and then transforms itself into a big machine that walks, right? It's not it's not that kind of a robot we're talking about that is in a cartoonist mindset, like this in a Hollywood mind. But uh, can can I say that um, uh, in, in very general terms, a car needs a driver. When a car doesn't need a driver, it's a robot. Is it as simple as that, or it, or it, there is something that is in between? So, by definition, a robot is something which is programmed. Uh, so, a robot needs to have two parts to it. A machine is just a manual or, or like a mechanical device. And a robot is when you add electronics to it, uh, when you add some kind of programming to it. So when a, a, a robot is definitely something which has these three components, a, a, a machine, a physical setup, an electronical base, like a memory, a, a, like a processor or like a computer chip in it. And the third is it has a program. So once it has these three components, it can be classified as a robot. With the cars that are designed, now they have all of this, but we still don't call it a robot because we already have a definition of a car. But it, it can do more complex actions uh, automatically. So when you when something can provide a lot of actions, uh, we, we call it as a, as a robot. Yeah, in Singapore, there's news like it, uh, the cooking is done by this robotic chef that you know there's a program whereby the you know the, the in, into this machine whereby the, the the kind of mechanical arm can move around the ingredients and you feed um, the robot with a recipe like maybe the chili and then the, the pepper and then the meat and the chicken slices etc to kind of make it into a pizza right mm. so um, you know, a, a robot, it's in our mind, takes over the job of a human being. I mean, that's that's a very extreme end because your definition, it kind of like, it has to meet three criteria, the mechanism, the programming, and then um, the kind of like, yeah, in, in it. Then, then in, in the mind of a, a lay person, it must have this physical activity that it replaces men. So one, one of the things that I would think of is, um, you know, what we see in the Singapore news that um, there's this arm, mechanical arm that lifts up ingredients to make it into a pizza. And another one that comes to my mind, um, like a robot is, um, you know, like the unmanned, um, uh, uh, the, the drones. Can, can a drones be called a robot? Definitely, uh, I would say drone. A drone is a robot, um, which can deliver things. That so anything which fit fits in this definition uh, of having a program, having a, a like a machine and a, like a electronical base. I would call it a robot. In fact, I would call any agent. Uh, now this is a definition in robotics. Uh, agent is a being uh, or, or uh, an object object which can do some some tasks right so any any agent we you and i are also agent because we can do a lot of different kinds of complex mm. tasks uh, a simple program can also be called as an agent which can do very specific tasks mm. so normally whatever robots we design are uh, are designed to do very specific tasks be it making a pizza 
or making a car uh, in a in a industry setting so it's it's it all falls into that definition of a robot i would also classify a being without a physical form can also be called as a robot which is a it's a it's a new technology with which is called robotic process automation where you can uh create a program which can automate your actions uh, on the computer or your phone which can automate like if you have to create a write a book you can tell an agent to write a book for you or and you can uh, even uh, create music or uh, just maybe the task you do on excel that can be also automated using this automatic machine so any agent which which can do a lot of complex task and is programmable by definition that should be a so we have gone through this uh, definition stage would you like to share uh, with us on a deeper level about the robotics that you like to share with us your projects or some of the concepts of robotics right so i have uh, built a automatic car uh, which which is called a line tracer i think that's a Uh, standard project which every engineering student goes through and creates a bot uh, in their in their college days which can do different kind of tasks so, and the the main components which are used is a microcontroller or a microprocessor and it it needs to be connected to uh, different uh, different ICs integrated chips and these ICs could be a driver uh could be uh, a different module like a bluetooth if you want to make a wireless uh, robot maybe this is getting a bit more technical but i would love to no, take it no but i love it. it i love it please go into it yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the purpose yeah. of all this education sure. so there is a there is a main uh, brain of a robot which is the microcontroller and this is where you program the uh, robot to do things you feed it instructions that at a certain time or when when it gets a certain input you get you produce a certain output so basically an i a microcontroller chip has input and output uh circuits or gates so the input can be anything like a light or a camera or it could be sensing like a sound sound waves or it could be uh heat uh for or pressure so anything physical uh gets converted into a signal Uh, inside the robot and with different signal values you create different outputs so suppose if a car is going at a certain speed you want the car to lock the doors that is also a robotic process right or if you are uh, the plane is flying and you want to put it on autopilot which is a basically mm. a robot which can drive mm. the plane so that is that is something like a, a robotic process and the output is something you control or you uh like in in the in the scenario of a car or in, in the scenario of a, uh like a nuclear power waste management system where you cannot have humans right you you want it a robot to do those tasks because you cannot expose a human to radiations mm. so that's that's a scenario where where you would use a robot Yeah. Uh, in fact today itself i was watching a very interesting video on um, the automation of garbage waste extraction mm-hmm. you just humans have to just put oh, the uh, wow. garbage into a dustbin and it will automatically segregate the kind of garbage and it can take it to a processing plant uh, do the like compress the garbage you know do the uh, recycling or uh, remove the right parts and uh, just create something else out of it so that entire process is 
very labor intensive they can be harmful substance to deal with especially in the case of uh, medical equipments and then a robot can do it where you can you know uh, preserve uh, the exposure to harmful chemicals to human so that's that's a great application yeah i've got two uh, questions um, or i or i just going to throw you two discussions um you know amazon has got this new sh- uh, shop the first shop in uh, america and i think in singapore already started just recently that the whole grocery shop there has no human um no no human as in there's no cashier there's no security um the shopper can actually just go in to to um just go in to grab anything and just leave the shop and there will be sensor that um can detect what they've taken and then deduct from their account okay so i will i will call that like a robotic shop right okay yeah, that's that that that's one that's one scenario and and the next scenario is like for example and, and that is something that I would like to throw to you what your thoughts on that um and, and as as the, there's a next scenario scenario as in you know where in this um pandemic situation right uh we're still in January 2021 you know all these swap uh testings right um done by the nurses uh or the or the uh, medical personnel the healthcare people to swap to your nose to go into your mouth etc i i'm just wondering how fast can a scientist develop the lead time that it takes for something that is needed in the market with all the knowledge that it has to develop something that is really urgent and needed out there like for example in a pandemic situation so you've got a situation whereby the the robotics of the science of it has has um you know uh, been rolled out by amazon right um i'm talking about the technical aspect of course there's always the um, humanistic moralistic aspect behind but there's is uh, there is a need right it's re- driven by needs marketplace needs there is also another marketplace need whereby it's driven by the pandemic right the swaps and everything um there is a need like what you say in a medical situation the machine can should take over certain manual labor so my question is how long does a typical science can take from conceptualization to testing to piloting then to rolling out and then refining to perfection and then really out going out there how long does does something like that take that's a that's a really good question and a really useful question in the context of uh, science and robotics um there are two aspects to it um the first one is you robots can only do specific tasks well they cannot do generic tasks well and that's why we need humans uh, where uh, where we're going to a patient and uh, you know checking if they are at home and that requires a general intelligence like uh, we we talk about specific intelligence and general intelligence general mm-hmm. intelligence is you can do multiple things and you can figure out from the environment but if you have to do very specific very niche one thing over and over again without getting tired without losing accuracy then you, you would use a robot but if you have to use you would have to use a human where you have to go interact with a person everybody would have a different kind of a nose everybody could would have a different kind of a uh, you know uh, mucus uh, and yes so you cannot use the same technology and there'll be a lot of uh, edge cases a lot of outliers which if the robot is not trained well it would fail to 
you know deliver or it can also cause harm in those cases it, it might not work you would have seen uh, a lot of cases uh, i i have a robot at home uh, a tiny robot which cleans my house yeah. so but whenever it uh, encounters a, a thread it it gets stuck stuck into it and then i have to go and take out the thread from it so that's something which the robot hasn't learned uh, to do to identify where to scan or what to not and sometimes it go and bangs against the wall so i cannot call it that it's a stupid thing because it can do with something's very good like it can clean my house but it can also run into a wall which a human would not do so yeah. that's the kind of difference the and the second question is uh, how long it takes it it's definitely varies from problem to problem the more um, complex the problem would be the more time it would take the more consequences there'll be to a problem uh, especially in case of medical uh, domain you want to be 100% sure whatever technology you're building is not going to harm a robot and that is the number one principle of a robot uh, that you cannot harm a person when you're building a robot and, and the else, second point yeah, principle what is about your your thoughts on the amazon shop that was rolled out i think uh, 2 years ago uh, in the US that was the that's, first shop in the, in the world right that's a brilliant concept i completely love it um, it's it's something uh, a bit more advanced than a robotic system i would say mm. it is uh, something called as a iot uh, internet of things mm. and it it is a kind of a home automation or a shop automation which is just the concept in in a lot of books but they have made it into a reality which is a phenomenal which is amazing um, this this requires uh, a lot of technology working together at at real time which is a massive challenge and at the scale they are doing that they have to be accurate with every customer that is also phenomenal so you need to have cameras which will check the shelves what has been picked up from the shelf uh, what what was the cost of that item and how many items are in the bag it has to work under all lighting conditions it has to work uh, you know for for obfuscation if the hand is placed on that item yeah. so it has to work under a lot of different scenarios and it takes a lot of thinking to uh, mm. calculate all these scenarios feed it into the model which you're trying to build and make sure that the results are accurate under all the scenarios is there so, any uh, example you you can actually specifically explain Uh, in a scenario of this Amazon shop, that you know it it is uh, that can make it understandable that how this IoT works. Like you are saying that there's the camera looking at at, at the you know at the cross grocery bar, you know. Yeah. So I I, I just from on top of my head there are uh, there are multiple technologies which are working mm. together in that shop. So the first technology which I can think of is the camera. So you have these uh, cameras on the wall which were usually just used for uh, security purposes that people are not stealing and if they're stealing we can find out who stole it. But Amazon uh, being smart they decided oh we can get more use out of this camera if we can calculate how many items are on the shelf. We can mm-hmm. see if the shelf is getting empty we can refill it or we can identify what the customer picked up so that we can add that into their account so they have to manage the inventory they have to see what customer is picking up what the cost of that item is what category of the product that is you know they have to figure out everything the size dimension uh, and they they have to know yeah. what what is being uh, taken up the second thing is they are putting it into a basket now when they put it in the basket again there is a uh, there is a scanner in the basket there is a waiting machine to see 
what was scanned was what only one thing scanned and they put two things so you have to balance for those kind of scenarios the pressure will count how many things are actually in the basket when you're taking it across you try to put something back in then you have to be deducted from the basket again because you know you have to cut up for that scenario and when you take it out of the shop that is connected to your bank account which will automatically deduct that uh the entire cost of your inventory list or grocery list so that's uh that these are working at multiple levels and uh they use a uh, lot of sensors and a lot of barcodes yes. yeah so that has to be a lot of sensing happening in real time updating uh, at real time and calculations authentications there are apis there are multiple apis which are talking to each other mm. that you know what what my basket reads is what my camera reads is what my bank account reads and they all have to yeah. work in unison at the same time which is phenomenal okay so yeah. questions like because you you're talking about out layers right can it prevent theft can it detect theft and uh, what about detect um inaccuracy in uh calculations deductions and additions of is is you, you know as a data scientist these are some of the uh, pitfalls right these are um, definitely major challenges as as we build technology people definitely find ways to hack it or to misuse it and to try to uh, you know circumvent the system yeah. to exploit the system so there are a lot of scenarios for theft and then you have to build an upgrade mm. to overcome that scenario uh, mm. so suppose a person uh, is putting a lot of things in their basket or if they're hiding something under their basket so there is a, this happens in our uh, grocery store or putting, putting it in the pocket they're putting in the back pocket right so <laughs> how do you take into account for all these scenarios so you have to have these cameras reading one thing you have to have the basket reading another thing you have to have uh, mm. infrared cameras which are not just looking at uh, the the code or the physical item but they are also reading uh, or you know have these taggers on really expensive stuff as you see in a lot of shopping stores they have these electronic tags on a jacket or they have tags on really expensive items in a in a shop when you go through infrared or you go through electronic scanner they they get they get picked up so you have to have all these technologies working together to make sure that there are no uh, loopholes uh, uh, yeah, and then from a data scientist point of view like a shop like this like um i mean there is also a lot of learning curve right i mean uh, amazon number one in the world um, you know and and they have all this a uh, huge financial resources to be able to do the r&d yep. to roll it out as a pilot shop do you mm-hmm. see that um, i mean it, um uh, hypothetically it's successful you know it's able to detect the theft and all this um uh, rotten apples um rotten grocery you know um uh, do you foresee something like that um in your uh, industry uh of of uh, of fourth industrialization you see it like being rolled out um like mainstream and how long would you think that something like that will become mainstream that's a very good question um and uh, specifically very relevant in the current times we live in uh, during pandemic the amount of fraud ex- explodes a lot and this has become the biggest problem i think it's uh, it grows uh, last I check in australia it was 41 billion dollars that were lost to fraud and i think it's growing at a phenomenal rate every 
every year so that's yeah. the biggest area of challenge uh, in the, for for a lot of industries um, unfortunately in a lot of cases these have to be written off uh, in in retail mm-hmm. sector or maybe in other sector uh, mm-hmm. because you do not have the right tools but if i have to quote a technology um, we we use an anomaly detection a lot to figure out something which is different anomaly from a pattern detection. and yeah and try to identify where somebody is trying trying to commit fraud um it it there are a lot of tools in the market which are built to stop fraud yeah uh, ibm is has their own tool fortor has their tool uh, stripe and a lot of uh, financial services have yeah. inbuilt fraud detection system threat metrics is something i can name so with these tools they there are definitely we're trying to build stop gates or firewalls for customer or people to not exploit the system mm-hmm. but uh, fraud is an area which is always evolving uh, it mm-hmm. you have to keep on building new things because th- whatever you build somebody would try to break it and try to find another way to exploit the system so you have to constantly keep on evolving uh, based on what the fraudsters are doing mm-hmm. so it makes it a very interesting area to work in yeah in 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 the industry like Do you all try to? I mean, from from a data scientist point of view, you always try to pre become at the ahead of the curve, right? Um, and and you are in the industry whereby you are ahead of the curve, and in the curve itself, you want to be ahead of your your peers, isn't it? So, is, is there anything that makes uh, you know that your brand? that you know about the latest uh, uh, journals that what's going to be the next um growth thing or the next big thing we've talked about IOA uh, IOT you know internet of things we've talked about um you know some of these AI um machine learning and now we're talking about robotics is there something um uh in in it that that is like trying to be okay this is going to be it thing no some years ago nobody knew about bitcoin right but all of us other it just came out of the blue people talked about blockchain is there something else that you think is going to be like the star the celebrity concept that's going to be out there in the industry so I I wouldn't say there is there's going to be one thing which will be standing out from the rest there'll be a lot of things coming yeah. out together or working together and mm-hmm. that will create a massive change in how we live mm-hmm. uh we have to uh, spoken about AI which uh, not just we but it's a big thing across yeah. uh, all the industries yeah. so that is definitely going to develop there is still a lot of untapped potential mm-hmm. with data and what we can do with the data so I think a lot of companies are going to exploit that uh iot will definitely become uh, more bigger it will be more integrated with with our daily life so we have already have uh, alexa and google and everything in our homes which mm-hmm. automate some of our tasks it's going to as we spoke about google uh, sorry amazon stores it will be our houses would also be yeah. automated like that where you walk in things will automatically start happening you don't have to cook you don't have to set the right temperature it will figure out what your mood is it will start playing the music it will heat up your water things will be like that so it will be more advanced there'll be definitely more a, uh, vr and ar technologies because everybody is work, uh, working and shopping from yeah, home and there's a right. big shift so you will want VR to have that 
yeah. you have to give them the experience of being yeah. in a shop and yeah. seeing what goods looks good on you yeah. so yeah. i don't have to you know go to the shop anymore uh, they'll be um, uh, i mean i mean these these are the yeah, some of the yeah. key concepts yeah, i can think right. of you know, because we still there's a lot of things that have, have, is out there that has not been translated to the home yet on a home based level and now because yeah. we're all in a lockdown on the pandemic now things are starting to roll right like what you say the ar and which is the augmented reality and the virtual reality um, and, and the goggle and all this i have not um, I uh, have experience of that but you know the games that I play like the Sims you know even my avatar wears wears that for for gaming so um and definitely you're right I think these are some of the things that uh, you just brought up a kind of a trigger a, a, a light bulb in my head yeah I think that this may probably be the next thing for the household because as we in the past um never thought we're going to buy a dress online because we always say that we you know even girls will want to go to the shop we want to touch the fabric we want to see how it looks on us but you know everyone is doing that even before the pandemic and you know the pandemic is actually accelerating all kinds of purchases uh makeup i mean it's amazing how people can put makeup <laughs> you know it's just amazing how people just buy online things that they never imagine can you imagine like the next thing i think like what you say is true um augmented reality virtual reality how you look like in things that you never imagine being in the dress in the gown in the makeup in the whole style in the hairstyle you know as we all go into a longer pandemic and everybody's craving for having reality so that could be the new uh, norm and before we lock off um uh, sar um the next uh, five minutes of your time to conclude um what's the ethics behind this what do you think well uh, it's a very interesting area about ethics of ai uh, you have to be cognizant of what you're building and how it's going to shape the future of humanity and the society at large because everything you build has a consequence on the real world uh, you you can use the same tools um, and and given in the wrong hand it can be exploited massively so imagine we we talked about giving a lot of power to the to the few or the, to the social media which has all our data and they can control our lives and you can do yeah. that with um, you know you can if you give the your bank account to a wrong person they, it can be exploited and with all this integrations that we are having in our life with technology if all our actions and all our decisions are driven by technology we could be i mean we could be in a lot of trouble if it's not regulated well so we need yeah, to have the right regulators in place to assess that we uh, our, our information is not being misused uh, what is being built is fair and just to everyone it is not creating divide in the society so you have to be cognizant of what kind of models you are building as i've and, spoken and in I, previous and i think and i think to conclude with what you just say uh, it really echoes what elon musk was saying uh, even like 2 years ago when he was starting to roll out his tesla cars etc he was saying that you know such a big deal for ai the first thing he says is the ethics and the regulation and i think not enough of talk 
has gone into it because I think the general public does not know the power of AI and does not know what we're talking about about regulation because we the, the general public still do not understand the power of AI and how it's going to determine our lives because we are uh, an uninformed and unaware uh, public. But I think um, you're right, if we could continue our talk sometime later on um, in some of your highlight in the future about uh, why there is a need for governments to regulate and why is there for people who have this knowledge to start regulating AI. We are into this known of, into this world of unknowns. I mean, years ago, we are talking about euthanasia and the medical field. That, you know, we need to regulate certain medical science development, like, for example, cloning of human babies. You know, all this can be done already. But, you know, it has been stopped because, you know, it has, it has to be reported. It has to be regulated, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the first uh, cloning of a living thing was a sheep, right? And then you've got other things that came out, the panda from China, etc. And then, and then there was a lot of talk like 10 years ago about cloning, the ethics of it. And, and I think the next big thing was really about the ethics of AI. And I hope that uh, your conclusion will point to a very interesting um, topic we'll talk about in the future about why is there such a need to talk about ethics um, in, in, in this industrialized digital world. Um, why is the power of it is so huge that people need to foresee where this power is going to lie? Who is going to use the power and what is going to be used? How is going to be used? In what form is going to be used? For what reason they're going to be used? And what is the aims uh, of using all this uh, power? I think there's a lot of power um, in the knowledge of this. Um, that is the person like myself, we still do not know um, the power of it. Um, I, think it's some, I think it's something that um, we all need to start talking about and something that um, a, 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 a person in the street uh, should really understand because it's going to impact all of us. Uh, it's going to really, really impact all of us. It's going to impact our children, right? So um, I want to thank um, Sar for this time. I think it's already past midnight there in Melbourne. Thank you so much, Sar, for sharing with us. Um, we hope that you can come back again in the midst of your very tight schedule. I uh, will always make time for you, Sar. Would you like to say goodbye? Thank you, Vicky. It's always a pleasure talking to you and to everyone who's listening to this podcast. And um, hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, and I hope you you like my questions because some of my questions really throw you off. <laughs> yeah, these are uh, very keep me on my toes always. Yeah, I, I think these are things that you know it's it's very important for us uh, to to really think and trigger our mind. And thank you for keeping me on my toes too. Thank you, Sar. Welcome thank you. you again. I'm always here for you. Um, let's let's have the next episode again. Thanks. Bye, and stay thank safe you. in Bye. Melbourne. Thank you. Bye. you Bye. Too. See ya. Bye.